0: You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a weekly show with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today, I'm speaking with Helen about answers to seven questions you probably have about improving your presentations using stories. Today I'm talking with Helen Hackham. She is a really outstanding storyteller. She has been a TED speaker, she has organized TED events and has helped lots of lots of people turning their ideas into a storytelling gold. So stay tuned for this really really interesting discussion about storytelling with Helen. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics in the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars and much, much more. Visit the PSI homepage at PSIweb.org to learn more about PSI activities Simon, today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician. I'm really, really happy to talk again with Helen. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm very, very well. Thank you.
0: How are you? Very good. It's a bright, sunny day here, and it's a it's a great time to talk about one of my. Favorite things to talk about how to you know present effectively how to communicate effectively using stories, but before we go into these topics, maybe Helen, you can expand a little bit on your career and what has led you to really dive deep into this topic.
1: yeah, sure. Um, So I always wanted to be an actress as a child and I had my sights set on theatre school and all of that sort of stuff and I took a year out before going to university and I got a job at Virgin Atlantic Airways and there I saw a learning and development and coaching department. I'd never heard anything about it before and Richard Branson was really championing that sort of approach at the time and I fell in love with the thought of being able to help people. And what I realized is you could stand up in front of a group of people and kind of felt like acting. So Mm -hmm. I decided to go into my career early on at the age of 19. So I, I got a job within learning and development and I started training and coaching call center staff. And then I moved on to leaders as my career progressed. So I moved into financial services, organizations, and I started to really hone my skill within leadership development. And what I found was people were naturally coming to me with areas that they were having difficulty with, with communication. So within financial services, there's a lot of analytical type roles Mm -hmm. where people are analytical leaders, not necessarily people focused leaders. It's just generalization. But that was the theme that was coming out from my work with leaders at that time. And so there was a necessity for me to help in those areas. So things like being able to present to a room confidently, being able to communicate very dry and complex data and information in a way that was not entirely dull and boring (laughs) and also understandable to people that weren't necessarily in that technical niche. And I was working with mainly more introverted leaders who found it difficult to do these more difficult It didn't come as naturally to do these things. So I started to do research into the areas of communication, I was doing lots of leadership development qualifications and all of those sorts of things. And I specialized in business psychology. But communication was really the thing that interested me. And along the way, I, I think I read a book, I can't remember what book it was about storytelling. And because in my psychology studies, I had really focused in on evolutionary psychology, it really stuck with me. I was really fascinated by it in the fact that as human beings, we are wired for storytelling. Mm -hmm. And because it's part of our genetic makeup through, you know, the millennia that we have survived through very difficult conditions, storytelling was the thing that enabled to help us survive because it created meaning in our lives and it it lifted our cognitive functions above, you know, the basic survival instincts. And so we all have that ability. And when I discovered this, I thought, wow, anybody can use that then. And so I started to help these leaders communicate in meetings, presentations, pitches, away days, whatever it might be, using tools like storytelling and there's lots of other tools as well but this was the main one because what I found was it was something that anybody could pick up and anybody could use and it would make things infinitely more interesting to hear and also they would be more confident in delivering it. So I did all of that and then I I left the corporate world um, after having my first child uh, and it really this really came into my own personal story, because I lost my confidence completely. And I hid for a very long time, I became very socially anxious, and I didn't speak to anybody. And I thought that I wasn't able to help anybody in this way. Again, it just wasn't possible for me. But after a lot of work, I managed to come out the other side. And I really stepped into this in running my own business. So now this is what I focus on. i I'm a speaker coach, so I help people deliver keynote talks and TED Talks. I'm a TEDx curator for TEDx events as well. And I help corporate leaders and business owners to increase the impact of their communication using things like storytelling. And that's where I am today.
0: Awesome. Very good. That sounds like exactly what we need because, you know, most of my listeners are technical experts. Statisticians, most of them are introverts. Yeah, if you do, if you go to any company, and I, you know, through my work, I've looked, you know, talked to lots of lots of different uh, leaders. The frame is always the same, and it resembles one hundred percent what you have just described. We need to convey data in an impactful way. We still want to be precise. We are usually not comfortable talking in front of people. I myself um, started being really, really uncomfortable early in my career. And recently someone called me, oh, you're a natural presenter. No, I'm not. (laughs) I've never been that. It's just a lot of learning and training. And uh, exactly through these kind of things that you do, we all can improve and become much more confident and it really kind of this dreading task of presenting can turn into fun over time. Yes, yeah.
1: absolutely, it really can.
0: Yeah, awesome. So when when talking about stories, uh, let's dive into a you know seven questions about this. And um, this uh, episode is based on a blog post that uh, Helen wrote some time ago. And let's go alongside these seven questions. So first is. Do I also always have to share kind of my story, like you did, like I did? Now that always feels a little bit odd. Is that is that necessary? Wow,
1: it's a really it's a really poignant question because I I do in the short answer I actually do think in some way, shape, or form showing some of yourself actually creates a huge connection with your audience mm-hmm. now. A story can be as short as a sentence. So when we think about story, my story, we think, oh, my God, my life story. Do I really have to be sharing all of that in order to communicate effectively? Now, if you are uh, someone who's listening to this and you are a service based business owner, so you run a business where you have a face in that business and that is an outward that would outward facing and you founded the business. Yes. Yes, I do think it's important for you to share a core story which involves some element of personal journey to your business. If you are listening to this and you are a leader within a business or you, know, you have a role or a function within a business, then it's a different type of sharing your story. Mm-hmm. I believe that connection, human connection, comes from being open and establishing common ground and that's actually how we influence people I mean influencing is a big part of what I do and how we influence people is by establishing common ground and we establish common ground by showing some of ourselves what what is important to us what motivates us what challenges have we faced that we've overcome what do we love what are our hobbies what are we most passionate about outside of work I think these things are important to share. And you don't have to, if you're not someone, if you're very private and you keep your work very, your your work and your social life and home life very separate, I completely understand that. And you might be thinking, oh my God, you know, the thought of that just fills me with dread. It doesn't have to be a forced thing. It can be in moments. Communication happens all the time. It's not just in a presentation. It's in a discussion or a chat. And I have been working a lot with leaders over the pandemic and beyond. And I know it's harder now to have those types of conversations because we're not necessarily, most most of the companies I'm working with are still in a hybrid. They're working from home most of the time and they are working in the office some of the time. So those moments are harder to have, but you can still have them. So it's just a case of thinking, how open am I being with my colleagues, with my stakeholders and how important is that? So I, I guess it's I haven't fully answered the question there, but it, it depends on who you are in terms of what you're listening to. Uh,
0: listening to I guess. Yeah, and also it depends on what the privacy of this story is. Of course, yes. you can share something about kind of your experience with your kids, which might be really private, or it could be some story from, from your work life. Yes. Yeah. yes. I've, I've once... Found out when I was first time talking to a new colleague that we had a common connection on LinkedIn, uh, a former colleague from me, and she worked in a company that later got acquired by my company. And I said, hmm, that's interesting. I said, ah, I've worked with this awesome statistician in the past, and I see you also know her. And then she said, ah, yes. She was my study statistician, we worked really closely together. And says, "That's funny." She was sitting in the office next to me for years, yeah, and that established connection, that yeah. established trust.
1: Absolutely, that's a very good example of when you uh, establishing an early relationship with someone is common. Establishing common ground, yep. you know, people just do it naturally, but it's actually an influencing strategy. And, and as you say, it creates trust and stories create trust. And you're right. You know, it doesn't have to be all about your personal life, but showing a certain vulnerability of being open. Now, I, I shared in the story I told you at the beginning, me losing my confidence and becoming yep. socially anxious. Now, I only shared that because it was relevant, It was relevant to the story. I didn't share it to get sympathy or I didn't share it just because. I shared it because it was relevant to the story. And I think that's another thing. When we tell stories in the workplace, what we're sharing, it has to have a point to it. It has to have a message and a purpose to it. And then it can actually feel more comfortable to share because you know why you're doing it. You're not just doing it for the sake of it.
0: Yeah, it's the same for me. You know, when I said, when I started, I felt anxious. That's because I know so many other people out there feel that way and they kind of believe it it will always stay that well. Absolutely but it doesn't need to be. And and that's the that's the story, and that's why it's important to be vulnerable and to show that, you know, don't compare your now with someone else that has kind of 15, 20 years more experience and 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 training. Yeah. Um, That's just an unfair comparison. Um, Talking about story so much, what is actually the definition of a story? That's question number two, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So as I mentioned, a lot of people think a story is, you know, a life story. Uh, or a magical fairy tale or something else. And actually that is where stories originated from. We would go back to our early communications. We started communicating by writing on, on caves, pictures on caves of stories. And then when we developed language, Stories were helped us um, make meaning, you know, of, of spirits and legends and um, religion, the early forms of religion to understand, try and understand what this was, this world we, we were living in and the, and the orange ball in the sky and the moon and all of those sorts of things. So a story actually is, is, is some, a way of delivering a message. And it can be a very, very short sentence. It could be a half an hour keynote talk. It can be a quote, yep. it can be an analogy or a metaphor. It can be a case study. So giving an example, if you're, I don't know, if you've delivered a project and you want to deliver, give a case study, it could be a case study of what's happened, of what challenges you faced. It can also be a journey. So this is where I started. This was the challenge that was put in our way. This is how we overcame it. And this is what we've learned. The a uh, sorry. <laughs>
0: The hero story. The hero
1: (laughs) story, which is the most famous, most well used uh, storytelling structure, which is a very effective storytelling structure. It was the it was the structure I used for my my own TEDx talk, and blockbuster films use this this structure over and over and over again, and it's very effective to use in presentations and meetings. There can be an element of personal sharing in terms of the challenge that was faced or, you know, the obstacles that you came across. But ultimately, you're sharing a journey. You're sharing a journey of this is where we started. This is what happened. And this is what we learned, because that's the most important thing about that type of story. It's what have you learned as a result and how that how can that help other people? There's various various different types of journey story, but it can be, as I say, as simple as a quote or someone else's story or uh, a fable or, or, you know, it can be absolutely anything, but it doesn't have to be a lengthy tale.
0: Yeah, it can be even something like a made-up story.
1: Yeah. Hypothetical.
0: Um, Hypothetical things that I I often kind of uh, start such stories with, imagine you would be. Imagine this would happen. Yes.
1: That's very and, powerful.
0: And then you draw a picture in the mind of the people that pulls them in and you can add all kinds of different emotions to it. Time pressure and thrill and anxiety and fear and whatsoever and really can pull people in and then, you know, create this kind of momentum that you see in good movies directly from the start, yeah, where, where there's tension and, you know, directly action and stuff like this. And then you can, you know, bring in the solutions, the alternatives uh, and build your story from that. It's the same when we present, you know, data. There's a problem, there's a challenge, there are obstacles uh, in terms of, the FDA wanted this or the regulators needed that or the, there was this timeline pressure or there was this quality pressure or whatsoever. And then we evaluated these and these options. We tried to that run into another roadblock here. And finally we came out this and these are the results. That's the story. Yeah? And you can drive emotions through these kind of stories.
1: You can, you can. And it's the way it's being told. Even then, the way that you were telling that story, then I was drawn in. I was listening, yep. right? And the, the story you mentioned before can be called future pacing or visioning, a visioning mm. type story. And that's very, very, very effective when you're trying to sell an idea or, or you're introducing a new change, or there's you know something that is going to happen that's going to affect lots of people. And you're focusing on the outcome, you're focusing on the future, and it's a positive vision. Mm. And that's where you can really, kick, as you say, connect emotions into that. And when people are connecting emotionally to something, they're going to be more bought into it. They're going to be engaged. They're going to be listening. And they're going to find their own meaning with it. What's in it for me? Or how am I connected to this? So great, yeah. great examples.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, and through emotions, we remember and learn. We do. That's our brain filter to understand what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything that doesn't drive an emotion gets filtered out. It's not stored. Yeah. Yeah. Something that drives an emotion. That gets filters. There's this famous quote about people will rem- don't remember what you said, but how you made them feel.
1: Yes, that I love is exactly that Exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that quote in itself is a story. Yep. Because it leaves a mark. It, it leaves an impression, and it makes you think.
0: You know Hemingway's shortest story, "Baby Shoes," unused for sale. <laughs> <Is> that, really. <laughs> words complete story baby
1: shoes unused for sale
0: yeah
1: Hmm, interesting
0: that creates emotion Yeah.
1: yes and that's and that's that's a really great example of how just a few words can be incredibly powerful yeah it's the words that you're using and how you're making someone feel by the use
0: of those words yeah completely agree so a story is not necessarily about telling a tale. It can be real, it can be imagined. We also say that it can be kind of a you know an ev- evolution, things like that. When I do I best bring in stories? Do I in, in a presentation, for example?
1: Yeah. So if we're gonna use the example that you have to deliver a presentation in a meeting or uh, virtually or face-to-face you know however however it's working for you and that presentation has slides and you're using the slides to drive how you're delivering that presentation and those slides have pro- maybe a lot of data on mm-hmm. yes let's just assume that there's going to be a lot of data there's going to be a lot of information that needs to be shared so what i would first of all do is take those slides and put them to one side <laughs>
0: Yeah, very good.
1: Now, bear with me on this. I know that some people will find that difficult because the slides are their support, at crutch. So the the slides are being used to help them with their confidence in delivering the information. However, you can take the information on that slides on those slides. You can send those slides, but you would send the slides after the presentation, or you would completely strip back those slides and remove all of the things that aren't necessary and focus on visuals instead so this is point one visuals work incredibly well alongside data
0: yeah actually they can replace data
1: they can replace data they can replace data and people can receive the data they can receive the data and digest it in their own way after the meeting or even before the meeting if it's required but they yep. don't nec- they don't have to see it on a slide in the meeting so I ran some workshops during the pandemic to help people with just this very specific thing about how to deliver complex boring data dry messages in, in-, in- interesting ways and one part of that workshop was how to anchor a message to a visual so, for example, one of the teams were having to introduce, a pharmaceutical company, having to introduce a new pharmaceutical product. And their original presentation was full of detail and timelines and data and statistics and all those sorts of things. And I encouraged them to look at this as a journey. And this was a future facing journey. Mm-hmm and create, and it was called Future Pacing, create a future pacing vision of this journey. Now, what was associated with that? What types of feelings? What did they want to connect people with? And one of the things that they wanted was a, a lion, a lion because it, it meant that the people were delivering stuff were going to have to be brave mm. and all of this sort of thing. So they, they, they decided on what those images were, and then they plotted out a story in terms of this vision, and why was it important? What was it about? How was it going to work? And were there any objections that, that people might give? And this is the mm. format method, by the way, which is Benice McCarthy's format method. And I highly recommend people using it as a structure because it really helps answer questions and then just tell it in the form of short stories. So, you know, this this is the vision and this is what it looks like why are we doing this? Well, this is why we're doing it. This is we're linking it into the bigger picture. Why is that important? How does that what does that mean for everybody here? So the data wasn't needed in that presentation, the level, the the level of detail, because obviously data is detail, right? And it wasn't required in order for the message to be absorbed. Because Detail people are detail orientated and do need data and information in order to trust something, buy into something, say yes to something, feel comfortable with something. But that's not required when you chunk up. Yep. And you communicate the higher level of this message. What? Why is it important? What is it? How is it going to work? And what are the objections that people might ask? Which is the what if? Yep. yep. Um, so. That, that's my, you know, in a nutshell, that's what I would recommend. Use analogies and metaphors. Um, a lot of people um, think about a journey, a project, whatever it is, this piece of work that you're communicating that you've done. And so you're retrospectively reviewing it or is going to happen in the future. And people use all sorts of analogies, such as, you know, a lot of people tie in with sport in terms of the Olympic type of sport, what's mm. happening in terms of the preparation for before the race and leading up to the race and the race itself and the review of the race. Or it could be the four seasons of the year and how there's an ebb and flow of, of a project throughout the four seasons or uh, the points on a compass. Like if you're attaching... A piece of work to uh, a mess for an analogy uh, you know a symbol a framework that is out of context it's more engaging people can relate yep. to it more um and as i say use visuals on your slides if you're going to use them and i'm talking full screen image
0: yeah no, completely agree completely no agree.
1: writing <laughs> no writing at all no bullet points If you have to put a quote, if you want to put a quote on that, awesome. But no no detail of writing because what what would happen is people just get stuck on reading what you're saying. They're not listening to you and they're not engaged, especially if it's virtual. We're doing virtual delivery. You have to increase this like 10 times because it's so easy for people to be distracted in their own homes. So I think the main things, the main things that I would
0: say. Also, stories can help you to deliver much easier. Mm -hmm. I was once at a PSI conference, that's a big pharmaceutical conference for statisticians. And there was a keynote presentation that lasted, I don't know, 50 minutes Mm -hmm. and the speaker had no slides and no notes and very eloquently delivered the, the talk. Wow. I asked him afterwards, how can you talk so eloquently for 50 minutes without any notes? Mm. And he said, it's pretty easy. I told five stories. There we go. So I only need to remember what five stories I need to tell.
1: There you go. Yeah. so, just on that point, so I, as I'm a speaker coach, um, I am also a TED coach. So, when I coach people to deliver TED talks, there is no, they are, you know, they're not allowed notes. And, you know, there's, we, 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 we recommend that they don't use slides. Now, yep. TED talks are maximum 20 minutes, so they're not 50 minutes. But with any talk that anybody prepares, I always, always help tell them to practice the talk in stories. Yep. So they have a visual flip chart. And they have just, you know, four, and I actually asked them to use an image with maybe one keyword so that they remember that story and to practise that way. That also helps because if you memorise a script and then you recite that script, one, you could forget and lose your place. Yep. And two, it actually uses a different part of your brain so it sounds robotic when it comes out. Yep. Yep. If you, if you practise in the way that you've described in terms of in stories, that it could be different every time. That's okay. It could be slightly different, but you'll remember the order because it's remembered in stories.
0: Yep, yep. That is exactly the thing. And that will help you to get across your message, to connect with your audience and make it easier for you. What a great combination. Yeah, just talking... (laughs) just talking about slides coming back to the, uh, you that is a very often problem that i see yeah people start with slides as if the slides were the most important part of the presentation no it's you presenting it yeah. yeah and the slides should support you not the other way around i know that people very often kind of first put all what they want to say on slides yeah and that's okay if you then file these slides and use them as a, as a kind of documentation afterwards yeah. or something like this, yeah. yeah. but then always strip them down to things. And if you have tables on them, use a figure instead, use yeah. a line chart, bar chart, there's a lot of really, really engaging charts out there, and they're more and more used. And uh, especially with the, through the pandemic, people got used yeah. to many, many more data visualizations. That is awesome. Great way to tell a story when you develop, you know, build these kind of data visualizations. That's really, really awesome and cool. There's a famous video that I found really inspiring by Hans Rosling, who talked about the The health and wealths of nations, how that developed over uh, 100 years. Absolutely fascinating data visualizations, thousands of data points. Yeah.
1: Okay, there we go.
0: Yeah.
1: So, actually, that's a very good point in that we're not saying remove it all. I guess the question to ask when you're preparing something is is what I'm putting on this slide going to enhance the impact of what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Is it going to provide an anchor point? Is it going to make someone feel something? Is it going to help someone remember something? And if that's the case, okay, do it. I, I actually like to see, um, I, I've seen some of these graph, you know, you know, the way that people are presenting data. I've seen some of it. I'm, I'd like to see some more actually to see how it has evolved during the pandemic. Um, yeah. Because yeah. it's a good point that we're not saying remove it all, mm-hmm. If it elevates it, if it increases the impact, if, if someone can remember it or it connects somebody to something, then absolutely use it. But it has to look good.
0: Yeah. Uh, when you say anchor point, what is an anchor point? Oh, sorry.
1: Yes. So in my learning and development background, when we were designing educational programs, I used to deliver the ILM, which is the Inter- Institute of Leadership and Management, qualifications. So leadership qualifications. Learning is all about it's all about transfer right so it's it's about how someone is learning and retaining and then transferring information so when you're delivering learning, there are anchor points in the learning so that what what you're saying is absorbed. You want to make sure that what you're saying is absorbed. you might use an analogy or a story or you might do a training exercise where mm-hmm. they actually practice to anchor that learning to them, so it can be transferred. Okay. Okay. So it's the same with receiving information and communicating. It's about creating, you know, if you're delivering a presentation, you want people to take away four key points. You would make sure that you're creating an anchor point around those four key points. You might tell a story around one, you might use an analogy or a metaphor around another, maybe a quote for another, and maybe it could be a small discussion if you're in a meeting. For another, just as an example, to ensure that those four points are really being driven home.
0: Yeah, I've seen that when you actually deliver on stage, that presenters take specific areas on the stage and stand there when they bring home these four points.
1: Yes, that's also a really, really great point. So when when you're delivering a talk, you block a move on an anchor point. So you would go to maybe the right-hand side of the stage to deliver one particular point. You might be moving backwards. And I mean, with TED, you're only in a circle. So when I'm working with people with TED, it's like, okay, you might move to the front of the circle for this particular point and use your hands in this particular way. Then you move to the back and then you move left or right. So, yes, absolutely, 100%. That's what happens.
0: Yeah. Now, that's all great. How does that have an impact on my peri- career pro- progression, my, uh, or if I'm, you know, maybe uh, owning a small company or running a department, how does that help with, you know, with my company and my career?
1: Well, let you look at the, the, the biz- business owners first, so I, I do work with in two quite different markets, the consumer market and the, and the corporate market. And in, in the consumer market, <clears throat> if you're a business owner and you're showing up and you have to market, and you have to generate leads and you have to do all those things. Storytelling is incredibly powerful in order to do that because you can use it in your sales. You can use it in your marketing strategies. And if you're doing all of those things, it's also helping people to connect with you as a person. If you're setting a service, if you're a coach or you're a consultant or, mm. or something like that, then it's, you're using it to help to connect you. If you're within an organization, whether you are a function leader or you are an employee, whatever it might be, it is really powerful but you have to tie it in with your own goals right Mm -hmm. so in order to be motivated to try it out so let's say you know you you have career goals and you have career goals that are in more senior positions than you're in now mastering this skill which you already have inside you because it's part of your DNA so tapping into this skill is going to enable you to get visible in the right way
0: completely so agree people
1: yeah people gonna notice you because you are communicating really effectively and people notice those types of things you may be spotted as talent if you are communicating and showing up in this way and there's you know s- developing a leadership brand is like another topic but it's part of that it's about developing a brand for yourself and how what you want to be known for and communicating in this way really gets you noticed so that's one thing You may be someone who is shy and unconfident in delivering these things. The thought of it makes you cringe. You can't stand it. You just want to get through it as quickly as possible. Well, it's going to be more enjoyable for you and the people receiving it. If you do focus on this, if you do work on this, it's going to be more enjoyable. So as you said at the beginning, you can turn something that feels cringy and difficult into something that's actually enjoyable. And We all want that right we all want to enjoy things at work more so that's another reason why and i guess there's there's that sort of in between if you're just someone who maybe you're happy in your role you haven't got great ambitions but you want to expand you're getting a bit bored maybe you're you're feeling a bit restless this is a great skill to tap into because it can open so many doors new network connections Um, opportunities that might come your way just by shifting how you communicate. And you'll find once you start doing this, there'll be loads of other ways and loads of other opportunities that you can utilize to actually do it. Even maybe delivering a a talk, for example.
0: Completely agree. I've used storytelling in multiple ways to help with career progression. When you provide an kind of example to your Supervisor about something that went well, tell a story. Yeah? Perfect. If you write kind of a dossier for your next promotion, tell stories.
1: Absolutely. If
0: you interview for a new job, tell stories. It's always the same thing. If you want to negotiate, if you want to get something, you need to tell a story.
1: 100%. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I help a lot of people with pitching for things. And mm-hmm. of course, again, you know, interviews, presentations, pitches, it's anything that where you are, you want an outcome, you want to influence an outcome, right? You want that job, you want the promotion, you want to win that bit of business. Using this is going to be a really, really effective way of doing that. Last
0: question. If now people think, yeah, I really, really want to hone that skill. How can they work together with you? Well,
1: so it, depending on who you are in terms of uh, whether you run your own business or whether you are within an organization, um, I offer a number of different things. I do have self-study courses. So uh, for people who maybe run their own business, I have things like uh, training, virtual training, pro courses and, and virtual speaking, which which cover storytelling. But I also offer one-to-one coaching and I deliver workshops on these sorts of things. So I can go into an organization and deliver a virtual impact workshop or a virtual storytelling or storytelling workshop. And I do this one-to-one as well.
0: Awesome. That is really, really good. I have my own Learn It Yourself space, course, about presentation and data visualization. And of course, it comes at a very, very, yeah, it's just Very, very different to -to one-to-one coaching and things like this. And I also don't do any kind of in-person group coachings, these kind of things. So great to have you as a as an expert there, uh that people can talk to. And probably you learned a lot through this through this discussion about what is storytelling, how can you use it? Does it need to be something that is really personal to you? And if so, what why are you doing it? What are different types of stories? When you can use them? And that's it. In the end, really drive your career success in a really big way. I learned that the hard way early in my career. And when I just thought about, well, the facts speak for themselves. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and once I got that, there was a really notice- noticeable noticeable improvement in terms of speed of progression. Any final points you want to get home for the listener, Helen?
1: I guess, you know, some people when they're approaching this and they don't really know where to start, I would start with the thing that feels easiest to start with. So for example, your next meeting, if you're having to present anything, have a go at telling a story and see what happens. Yep. Just start small and go from there. Is would be my piece of advice if you're thinking, oh my goodness,
0: where do I start with this?
1: I'd say start with something easy and start with something small.
0: Completely agree. Awesome. Thanks so much, Helen. And of course, you will find all the links to her website and so on in the show notes. I really hope you enjoyed this discussion with Helen. There is a lot of free content about data visualization, influencing, storytelling, all these kind of different things on the homepage of The Effective Statistician. So check out our new library that we have there on our new homepage and check out theeffectivestatistician.com and register for this library. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and Casey for help with the show in the background, and thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.